Welcome to the Genuinely You podcast channel, which is packed with advice and tips on how to live your life with purpose. Do you wish you felt happy and fulfilled? Are you feeling stuck, wishing things could be better? Are you ready to take some action and create the life you want? To start living an empowered life, you need to recognize and make full use of the power and freedom that comes from being genuinely you. Your host is Gina Gardner, a number one best-selling author whose whole life has been about supporting people to achieve personal empowerment, helping people just like you recognize that they can. Hello everyone, it's Gina Gardner here and I'm joined as usual with my good friend by my good friend Rachel Davidson. Both of us are very thrilled to be international best-selling authors um, and today we're going to uh, be looking at the theme of, of dealing with people who are defensive. So thank you for joining us and we're going to get started. So welcome, very pleased to see you here. We're going to be talking today as I said about being defensive yes, and how to manage people whose first um, approach when you tackle anything yeah. is to be defensive. Yeah, to get prickly and to answer questions that you haven't even really asked them because they've got a conversation going on in their head. And I think there are a number of, of issues that I think could be worth looking at, yeah. but I think it's very important that we look at not only how to deal with people who are being defensive to you, yes. but actually to look at why sometimes we are very defensive in the first instance when other people are talking to us. Yes. Because it's very easy to point the finger at other people and yes. not recognise the behaviours that are going on. Yeah. I'm reminded of a couple of conversations I've had this week with people where I've asked a question and there has been no edge to the question. I simply wanted to know a piece of information. Yes. The other person on the receiving end of the question has immediately assumed that I was criticising them for doing something wrong yes. or not doing something, when actually nothing was further from the truth. Mm. It was a question about technology. Those of the people that know me know that technology and I have a very interesting relationship, <laughs> and my assumption with everybody um, is that they're going to know more than me around technology. So. I was asking a question about um, something on my system. Mm. They assumed that I was criticising them for not having done something. Right. I wouldn't have known whether they'd done it or not. <laughs> I simply yeah. wanted to know what I was looking at on the screen and what that meant. Yes. And it's very easy in that scenario, isn't it, to, to sort of be, be listening to this person getting defensive and, and, and actually for the conversation in your own head to be hang on, I was just asking a question, why am I in trouble? And then you're beginning to get defensive about it. <laughs> and so things <laughs> yeah. escalate. So what it starts off with a very simple question mm. ends up being an argument. Mm. Now, I do think it's really important that we point out that you have to be very honest with yourself. Yes. It's so easy to create a pointed question and then say, but I was only asking a question. Yes. So this is about, you have to be honest with yourself. There's no yes. good um, you know, blaming other people for being defensive if actually you're playing a game. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. one of the problems, I think, for everybody in this situation is that we do things 
habitually. Mm. We've talked about this a lot in the program, mm. that we do things habitually, and as a result, um, we don't recognise um, the behaviours that we're doing. Yeah, They become an unconscious reaction to somebody else. Yeah, um, And so we're not really aware, no. not only of, of what we're doing, but also how that lands on the other person. Yeah, and, and let's face it, I mean, the habit to be defensive can start very early, because I know when I'm dealing with my children, if, if something has happened or that there's something in the house and I say, oh... Well, who's done this? Just to sort of... And I, and Not I, me, Gov. It yeah. wasn't me. Yeah, and immediately <laughs> the children jump to a defensive position. Immediately. It's like it's like um, almost um, uh, lizard brain. <laughs> Deny it. Defend it, you know. And, and, uh, and I often have to have conversations with them saying, look, I'm not going to get angry. I just want to know who did or why yes. this happened or whatever. Could you just be honest with me? Nobody's going to get into trouble. Yes. <laughs> and in fact, when I was at school, those of you that uh, that uh, listened to our programs before will know that I was the head teacher or principal of a large school for over twenty years. Um, that I would say to children, actually, there's more likelihood of you getting into trouble for lying, yes, than there is for telling the truth, yes. But it's interesting how often children, and I don't think it's that different with adults, no. how often children back themselves into a corner and almost convince themselves that they haven't done something or they have done something they should have done. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they, you know, even though you may have seen something happen, that you actually start to think, did I see it? Mm. You know, were my eyes mm. or my ears um, mm. uh, tricking me? Mm. So let's get back to adults. Yep. You have a situation where you are being, um, you need a piece of information or you want to talk to somebody and that person's immediate response is to be defensive. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a number of things that, that it's worth thinking about. And I think that's the key, to think about it and rather than things happening automatically. Mm. And the first is, consider how you're going to present what you're saying to people. The voice that you use, the body language that you use, will have an enormous impact on how it lands on that other person mm. and I think the difficulty is if you're irritated use my example mm. of technology I was already very irritated about the technology so when I thought about it later what I wasn't sure was did that irritation come through in my voice and my demeanor mm. which wasn't with the other person but mm. was with the technology and the fact that the technology wouldn't work yeah and how often do we um, translate that that energy, that negative um, vibe, and we don't even know we're doing it. Yeah. yeah. Or is it the other person is under pressure, and actually you caught them at a bad moment, or you know there there there's other things going on in their life that you have no idea about. Yeah. And so this is just the last straw. So their immediate response again, they're unmindful response, their yes. habitual response, is to bite back. Yes. And of course that becomes a habit. Yes. And there's this there's this phrase, isn't there, especially in sport, that the best form of attack is defence. Yeah. Uh, or is it the other way around, actually? I can't remember. No, but, it's the but, best form of defence is attack. Right. But, yeah. but, but that is, that is at least, and my confusion proves it, that defence and attack are very, very similar. Yes. That, that it can be very difficult to spot it. Somebody thinks that they are defending something 
and it is interpreted as an attack but by the other person Absolutely. who also thinks they are defending something. <laughs> yeah. And interestingly, very often, neither people actually have the stance of needing to be right or wrong. No. The, the there is this sense that, you know, if I am doing this, that puts me in the wrong, therefore mm. I, I want to defend myself. Yeah. Or, you know, I need this response for you in order for me to feel right. But often it's not right or wrong. It's about information or it's about interpretation. Interpretation of motive, which I think is one of the things we've talked about before, yes. how quickly we assume motive from other yes, people, yes. which may or may not be true. Yeah. But the challenge of that is once we assume something, it becomes our reality. Yes. And so we then behave in a way that, that follows that reality through. Yes, I mean, this is all linked, isn't it, to if, you're, if you are defensive, then you are, by, by your nature, trying to protect something. Yeah. What are you trying to protect? What is it that you are anxious or fearful about yeah. happening? And, and it all tracks back down to a, a, a particular fear or anxiety that something awful is going to happen yeah. if you aren't successful in your defence. I think that's very true. And I believe, I may be wrong, but my belief is that if you are um, somebody who feels secure in your own skin, mm -hmm. good about yourself, yeah. then you also recognise that you don't need, you aren't perfect, and yet you are. Mm. You, you, know, you yes. are a perfect yes. human being, but you have frailties and you have faults and you at times will get it wrong, sometimes very badly wrong. Yes. But that doesn't mean that, that you are any less a person. Yes. What's interesting for me is that those people who have the confidence to put their hands up and say, look, if I've done something wrong, I'm really sorry, I'll do my best to put it right. Yeah. Rather than, I've got to defend my position even when yes. I'm in the wrong, because yes. that will show that I'm strong and I can feel good about myself. Yeah. And, of course, it's nonsense because, actually, in the act of defending something that you have said or done or not said or done mm. that has um, has had a ne negative impact on the other person, mm. then that's what starts the negative voice in your head. Shouldn't have done that. Oh, you should have done that. Mustn't do that. Yeah, I mean, um, I had a great example of this last night um, when when I'd worked really hard all day on a load of software testing and then had had to hand it over to, to my husband to carry on whilst I came and, and participated yes. in, your, in your online uh, questionnaire session. And um, when I got back home, um, hoping to, to hear that he'd completed it, the results weren't actually that great. <laughs> and he had got quite stressed because of how everything had been recorded, how the requirements yeah, had been yeah. captured. And it wasn't quite how he was used to managing it himself, but because he's been had to be hands off, yeah. somebody else had managed it, so he was dealing with all of this, you know, unnecessary change. I guess he would say. And there was a moment where I stood behind him as he sat at the desk, sort of, you know, going, "Look, this is wrong, and this is wrong." And I thought, "Oh, I'm to blame then, am I? It's all my fault, is it?" And <laughs> these little voices started to go up in my head. I can't do anything right, can I? <laughs> and and I just, I just thankfully was mindful enough just to go 
okay, I'm beginning to feel a bit defensive about this. But, um, you know, actually, that's not very helpful. It's really late. I think we're probably all very tired and on, on a short yeah. fuse. So giving in to some, you know, emotional uh, defence is probably not going to be the best thing. So um, I'm just going to sit down by my computer, turn it on, just just stay silent whilst he's talking to himself about this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, and then just try to sort of work my way into, so should we look at that then? Well, that sentence there is written by that person, so that's got that context. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. No, no, obviously, no, okay, so we can sort and slowly we worked our way into the job yeah. without having a big Barney. But if I had reacted to the voices that were in my head, my, my little habits, my little triggers of, um, you're a bad girl, you didn't do it right, um, you failed, um, you know, you should just sort of give up and, and, and go away because you're annoying me now. If I had given in to that little internal voice and, re and, and become defensive externally, it, it would have been an argument. It definitely would have been an argument. I definitely avoided an argument last night. <laughs> and I think, you know, with all of these things, it's about making a judgment, isn't it? That having us taking a step back, taking that moment mm. to actually consider are these voices actually, um, are they the appropriate voices in this situation? Yes, yes. Um, you know, there are times when you need to defend yourself and defend yourself not quite to the death but to stand your ground yes yes but those times are few and far between yeah I think so much of the time they are misinterpretations of motive misinterpretations of what's actually being said or being asked mm. and we make meaning of those words which are completely different to what's intended mm. and so my advice to people is you know first of all manage your own emotional state yes so yesterday well yes. it's interesting that both examples are around technology <laughs> um, manage your emotional state before you talk to other people and recognize that what comes out of your mouth isn't how it lands mm. and it, that will land very differently on that other person depending on their emotional state. Mm. So some of this I think is about before you go in bald-headed actually taking a moment to recognize how the other person is, what they're doing, mm. how their body language is and if you start to tune into their energy mm. you can often tell this is not the time to, to do that. Yeah. But because of our habitual behaviour and our need to get in there and say it or do it quickly, yeah. get in first very yeah. often, um, we get the timing wrong. And in getting the timing wrong, something that starts off being you know, this big ends up being this big. Yes. And then you've got to retrieve it and it takes much more time, much more energy. Yes. I'm not saying that you, you just let people get away with stuff. Please don't think that that's what I'm saying. But recognising that when people, uh, that you want something from people or you want to say something about what's gone on, mm. you will get a better result, mm. uh, a more satisfying result for you and get, get actually um, a stronger relationship with mm. other people mm. if you manage yourself first and mm. if you consider where they are in the grand mm. scheme of things. There's a reason why in warfare uh, yeah. uh, there is a, such a thing as a tactical withdrawal. Yeah. Because sometimes it is the best form of 
Warfare. Well, you may actually, you know, uh, let that battle go, but you win the war, don't you? Yes. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, if you've got somebody who has a habitual pattern of defensive behaviour, yes. and there are those people, we yes. know several, Yes. Um, <laughs> I think trying to deal with each individual situation mm. is very difficult. Mm. But when there's no challenge going on, mm. that's the time to sit down and say, but I've thought about this a long time, I'd mm. like to have a conversation with you, mm. using the very, very neutral voice that I'm using now, modelling it as we are sitting, yeah. okay, um, and say, I've noticed a pattern, yeah. that whenever I bring something up, and my motive is not to attack, but just to understand or just to know, yeah. you immediately are incredibly defensive. And I'd just like to know yeah. what's going on. Yeah. And then sit on your tongue yeah. and wait and allow the other person to speak. Yeah. Now, I've had conversations like that um, in my uh, previous marriage. And, and no matter how, how I try to um, explain my perspective and my viewpoint on things and invite a, 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 yeah. a, a similar reciprocation, um, it boiled down to an inability. It boiled down to I was asking too much of that person to do, to do that. So sometimes when people are being defensive with you, <clears throat> it's not just about um, in the moment reacting in a habitual way because there's a specific fear. Yeah. Sometimes it's about a complete mismatch of capability in terms of... I think that's a really interesting and very true... Um, I think what, what I'm talking about is in the first instance. Yes. That the ra that you don't you're never going to know whether this is a mismatch of no. um, a personality, a mismatch of values, yeah. whether it's something that the other person is completely incapable of doing, yeah. unless you try, yeah. and not just once, but do it no. in different ways. <clears throat> If, however, over time, how long were you married to this guy? Um, well, t the relationship was about 20 years. <coughs> so, <laughs> you know, there will have come a time within that relationship where you would have recognised that you were hitting your head against a brick wall. Yeah, and, and actually, I, you know, I can date it because I wrote it down in my diary. And, and my, you know, I'm not necessarily proud of the response, but I know it's a very hum human response to it, was that once I had realised that I was really not going to be able to move this person from their entrenchment um, by failings or foul, <laughs> um, once, once I'd sort of really accepted that, then, then I was effectively absent from, from the relationship from that point onwards. And, and I stayed there another eight years. I think there's a number, you know, in a, a programme that's, that's 30 minutes long, it's very difficult to unpick mm. all of that. Mm. But I think there are a number of points that I'd like to make about that. Most relationships are less um, polarised than that relationship. And most relationships, if you work um, at understanding the other person and coming together, mm. so long as they're prepared to meet you halfway, mm. and they won't necessarily on the first time talk about no, it. No. And you know, if you talk in one way and it doesn't work, then you've got to try lots of other ways. And I know that you did. Yeah. So it's important that our the people who are who are um, involved in watching and um, listening to us today um, recognise that this is not you don't just try once and then let it go. Mm -hmm. no. <laughs>
Um, but, the, but ultimately, to walk away from a relationship but know that you have tried every conceivable way mm. to actually get a sense of understand a mutual understanding, mm. I think is really important. Mm. On the other hand, I would also say that withdrawing um, can be a form of defence. Yes, that's exactly what it was. I mean, the, the picture in my head was that, that he retreated behind his big wall of defence yep. and his position, yep. and, and I retreated behind mine, and we sat within our respective camps and carried on a so-called marriage for another eight years. Yeah. But, but it's a stalemate. It, you know, it's literally it like indeed. two armies just sat on a battlefield just, you know, threatening one another with, with the potential firepower, yes. but never actually acting upon it. But I do think it's important that people recognise that just because you're not verbally aggressive, yeah. um, or yeah. one, uh, there are some who would be physically aggressive, I don't believe there's any place for aggression no. in a relationship. No. However, passive-aggressive means that you yeah. can withdraw, and you, it's about a power thing. Yeah. Um, and that can be just as defensive. Yeah, well, I mean, look at the Cold War that went yeah. on for years and yeah. years and years. That was no more pleasant than... No. Than and the, the for some people, threat. it's actually um, tox more toxic yeah. than actually having a row, clearing the air, and then being able to say, having done that now, let's find a way to carry on. I would, I would really agree with that from my own personal experience because I, I know that his reality in those l latter years was that because I wasn't interacting with him and challenging him yeah. quite as much, I'm pretty certain at times he thought that, that the relationship was better. Yes. <laughs> because he was comfortable behind yeah. his little rampart. Yes, I yes. think. Um, <laughs> and, you know, this is very complex. And, you know, it's, mm. we're, we're lumping all relationships together. Yeah. So, you know, this can be a, a, a significant other relationship. It can be a yeah. family relationship, friends, colleagues... Or with your boss. Yes. And if you're a manager and you're a boss um, of people, I would suggest to you that one of the things that makes a lot of sense to develop is a culture where it's about development and not blame. Mm. So when something goes wrong, that people feel that they can actually say quickly, yes. something's gone wrong, I take responsibility for it, I'm learning from it, let's put it right, yeah. rather than a culture where people are frightened to speak up yeah. and then try to hide it yes. or blame somebody else yes. in order to feel that they're not going to be attacked yeah. or um, that there's not going to be huge retribution. Yes. When I ran my organisation and I had 100 people working, or just under 100 people working for me, for me um, the, 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 the whole culture was we all make mistakes mm. However, you've got to learn from them. So if you're making the same mistake over and over, that's a very different thing. Yes. But in the first instance, if you've given it a good go and you've got a good rationale for having done it, yes. fine. If you've made a human error mm. um, simply because of you lost concentration or you just made an error of judgment, mm. that too is a reasonable thing to do so long as you don't put anybody else... Mm. Um, uh, at risk, um, you know, physically at risk, yeah. um, but you've got to learn from it. Yes. Um, and so the collective learning um, then became much richer because one person's 
learning because of something that hadn't gone right yes. was then taken up by everybody. And also the demonstration of that um, non-blame culture, the yes. demonstration that it is okay to fail, to to make that failure open and to then you know search yes. for the learning in it. If if people see that in action, then then they they feel much more comfortable. Whereas it, it takes only just one example of somebody yeah. being, you know, uh, punished for making yes. an honest mistake, um, for for everything to to then be like, oh, oh, right, that's. So when they say yes, we we want you to take risks, they don't mean it. They don't mean it. No. And you get into that kind of um, lack yeah. of trust. And it where and it also depends on the industry, doesn't it? Mm. If you're a pilot. You want it where there is zero tolerance of mm. not following procedure. Yes. That's a very different situation to, you know, somebody who is learning um, and growing yes. in, a, in a situation where there is no risk to life. Yes. Um, the tolerance that you have around mistakes is different. However, you look at the training that a pilot gets. Yeah. They're not let loose in a plane with the public. No. Unless there is a, a real... Um, view that they are safe. And it's interesting to compare the aviation I industry versus yes. the medical profession. Yeah, very because much so. the aviation industry has, uh, generally speaking, as far as I know, a culture of let's root out the problem, let's yeah. solve it, because if we don't, people then will die. die. And they have a much more open culture for whistleblowers yeah. and all this sort of stuff going on. Whereas the medical profession, where people will still die when mistakes yeah. are made. Yeah. Um, certainly in the UK, and I, I, don't, I can't imagine it's that much different no. um, but certainly in the Western world, where um, doctors are faced with this awful dilemma of having to be perfect to know how to save people yeah. and yet stop being human and making errors. Yeah. And, and so if they make an error, generally speaking, the, the biggest health scandal yeah. issues are caused by the fact that the, the, the poor individuals in, in these yes. scenarios felt that if they didn't cover it up or didn't behave in a certain way, then they would lose their job and then they'd be... And not yeah. just lose their and job, but be out of the career. really um, struggle. Yeah. And I think we're using very um, dramatic examples. Yeah. And I, I do think that the culture is down to the leadership. And I the leadership both within the, the ward, the, um, the organisation, and yes. collectively. Yes. Um, and I think there's a very... Um, long-lasting historical reasons for yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was very interested. I was on the National Patient Safety Agency National oh, yeah. uh, Group, uh, a non-exec director for six years. Oh. And when I first joined, I couldn't believe that in schools, if heads and schools don't do things right, then they're sacked. Mm. Um, doesn't happen in, in no. the health service. No. And I think... You know, they're trying to change it, but it's really mm. like trying to, to move the, uh, a tank around. Yes. So let's take it back to the personal. I'm just, just checking the time, because I should have put my glasses on, but I can't see. We're getting <laughs> very, very close to the um, the end of, of our today's session. Um, and I just want to bring it back to the personal to say to you, the next time you're in a situation where people are appearing to be defensive, just be mindful that you don't then go into your habitual behaviours mm -hmm. and that you don't bite mm -hmm. um, and yes. in doing so make the situation worse. Yes. In the same way, if somebody comes and says something to you, asks you a question or challenges something you've done, think about being open to the possibility mm -hmm. that actually 
a mistake has been made, but it's an honest one. Mm. And taking full responsibility for your actions, your words, mm. or lack of them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can always say, if I've made a mistake, mm. I'm really sorry, let's look at it together. Yes. Um, that's not admitting fault, that's just no. being open yeah. to having a look. Yeah. Love to know what you think. Um, please let us know through the website genuinely-u.com if there are any um, themes, issues, questions that you have and we can follow those up in, in future sessions. Um, you can get a free digital download of Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success and Fulfillment, which is my latest book. And you can get that actually on the, uh, the website genuinely-u.com. There's also the opportunity to join the Thrive Together tribe <coughs> and there's a special deal where you can try it out for a dollar, no risk to you. Um, thank you so much for being part of today and we look forward to seeing you again in the future. Take care now. Bye. You've just been listening to another great Genuinely You podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Genuinely You is a culmination of Gina's work spanning over 30 years of helping people learn what makes them feel happy and truly fulfilled and how to achieve it. Please visit genuinely-u.com today to find out more.